Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Arsene Wenger on bass. Sol Campbell on drums. Ashley Cole on shaker. Colo Toure on tambourine. Martin Keown on triangle. Patrick Vieira on jazz organ. on blues harmonica.
And now, one from Dial Square to Wear, Method Island Discs. Hello and welcome to From Doll Square to Wear, Metal Island Discs with Sebastian Walker and Stan the Man. Hello everyone. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a bit of a fantastic song, Hybrid Sunshine, very Brit poppy I think. <laughs> Love this song, it's great. Who's doing the vocals? That, uh, I am. That... I am. You are. Yeah. Fantastic work. Do you do the vocals on most of your songs? Yeah, not the Arsenal rap, um, but on everything else, yeah. Well, your voice is very, very different on diff per, you know, for different songs. It's fantastic. Yeah, you, There's a bit you, of acting goes on, you know. You absolutely. Sort of fit into the role, don't you? Well, I was going to, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, let me just quickly say hello to Stan the Man anyway as well. How are you, Stan, all the way from Vancouver? I'm good, Andrew. Good, and uh, thanks for having me back, mate. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, how's, I hate saying this word, but how's things treating you during this lockdown? Are you still managing? Yeah, I think that uh, everything is gradually being lifted over here in Vancouver. So businesses are beginning to open. So um, after this, I was actually going to venture into downtown to see what it all looks like. So I've not been down there for so long now. I've just been in my little local neighbourhood. Oh, I wow. So I'm going to venture out to sunshining and just see sort of what's actually opening and how it all looks. Venture wow. out to the Highbury sunshine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fantastic link. Oh, what a link. But yeah, <laughs> Sebastian Walker, also known as Don Sebastiano, the A-team. Probably got a few. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's there's quite a few I've sort of come up with, but um, some fantastic tunes you've made throughout the the years. And we had a quick brief chat yesterday, didn't we? And it was um, 31 years yesterday um, of the fantastic night at Anfield, and that's the night you said that you actually wrote the Arsenal rap yes. as well. Yes, I was I was stuck in Hamburg with my band. Yeah, and. Uh, and I, I pained over whether to go there or, and, or whether to try and you can't really get out of gigs in Sydney or booked. And uh, I, I'd actually thought, well, we're not going to win the league. And then we did. So I had to suffer it in Hamburg, uh, where it was impossible to watch it. It was impossible to listen to anything on the radio. I was stuck. So I literally had to phone my mum and say, what's the score? And she went, they've done it, they've done it. 
And I said, Mum, no, what's your score? Because I thought, you know, Mum probably might, she might just have um, said, oh, they won too well. And uh, mm. no, no, as we know, they didn't. So there you go. Yeah, it's amazing. And then I went home and I wrote, I, I, I literally just wrote hybrid, uh, the Arsenal rap that night. So tapping on the table, the best team that will ever be come from. I know. And, you know, just, just went into it because I was in such a good mood. I've, uh, I've put a, a photo of it on Twitter before just to prove that I have actually got it. But I actually bought that 12-inch single outside Highbury um, the beginning of the next me. season. Yeah, Probably uh, off probably. me. I, mean, I, I stood out there selling. I, I, when I, I produced a record or something like this, I did Highbury Sunshine, which uh, actually has the, I wouldn't call it a B-side, B for Bergkamp, maybe. But it's got Mr. Bergkamp in it as well. Oh, great, yeah. I'm going to play that as well and, at some uh, point. Yeah, and, you know, I had quite a bit of success with it. It got on telly, it got on, on that Under the Moon show, you know. Um, do you remember that, Under the Moon on Channel 4? I don't, late, actually, no. It was a late-night TV show, football show. Um, and, uh, you know, they had bands on and stuff occasionally. How and, weird. Uh, I don't, yeah. How do I, I don't know that? It was I mean, called Under be my... the Moon. Ran for about five or six years. That's weird. I mean, that sounds more like my cup of tea, football and music. I, can't, I don't understand how that one passed me by. Maybe it was when I was out the country. I don't know. I went travelling for a while. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's some great tunes you've made. And what a great day it was, 31 days yesterday, uh, 31 years ago yesterday, I should say. Do you remember where you were, Stan? Obviously, I'm sure you do, uh, when that, that great night. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't living in London anymore. I was uh, living in Milton Keynes at the time. And I remember watching it with friends. It was a great night. It was a great night, yeah. A fantastic night. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was long. I, I put, I reposted, um, I shared like a, a podcast that was on, it was a Sky podcast that I listened to today, which had um, Dixon, Smudger and uh, Merce on there as well. That was a really good listen because they talked about the making of the documentary mainly. And, yeah, uh, I had a couple of um, great. couple of tweets from Smudger recently, which was nice. You're it's joking. really nice. The great thing about Twitter is if you tweet something and then one of the players actually gets back to you. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, wow, great. You know, it makes your day, doesn't it? <laughs> I, had, I had a reply once from Ian Wright and I thought I just completed Twitter, completed life. And I almost yeah. just sort of signed off there and then because there's not much better you can get from that, is there really? No, it's great. It just makes your day. Uh, yeah, it does. It really so, does. Smudge, Smudge is brilliant like that. He actually replies to pretty much everyone. Unfortunately, not me. I'd love to get him on the show. But I love Smudger. I really do love Smudger. He's so underrated as a footballer, yeah. I think. You know, 20, 25 goals a season, a couple of seasons on the trot. Didn't great. even take didn't take penalties either. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. And, yeah. I was there for, for 1994. I was in Copenhagen for that for, oh. for that great night, um, which I think for me, you know, because I couldn't get to Anfield, so that would have been the greatest night. Anyway, yeah. Later. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, what a great goal that was uh, that he scored in the, the Cup Winners' Cup final. I was a bit worried when they brought Steve Morrow on, but, but I was worried for the whole 90 minutes, truth be known. Well, I, I was worried about Steve Morrow's arm more than anything, to be honest, uh, yeah. after winning it. But okay. but yeah, let's move on then. And um, Go on, sorry. No, I wasn't, it's not Steve Morrow. What am I talking about? I'm t- I'm, I'm, I'm Eddie McGoldrick, when they brought Eddie McGoldrick oh. on. 
Oh, left side like, back. The brain cells are going. No, Eddie McGoldrick came on. I thought, oh my God, are we going to last the last five minutes? <sighs> Eddie McGoldrick and uh, Jimmy Carter. I think he knows. Jimmy that. Carter, yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, I. Uh, I can go on to this a bit later, but I actually, my two brother-in-laws were Millwall fans. And Run away! For, I know. For, quite a, for, for two or three years, I went to quite a few um, home and away Millwall games with them. Because, uh, you know, just just for the crack, really. And I was only uh, sort of a teenager. And, uh, yeah, well, he got one. One of my, one of my uh, brother-in-laws got one. He got hit around the head up in Middlesbrough, got hit around the head with a brick that was hidden under a hoodie. And, um, yeah, he had a smashed cheekbone, you know, at well, one stage. They used to call it the Millwall brick, didn't they? It was like a newspaper dug yeah. on like Yeah, that. yeah. And I remember, I think it was a quarter-final of the League Cup, and I was at Highbury in the North Bank, but I was outside on the right side of the North Bank, and I was with my mate Si, and I said, Si, we've got to go in. I looked behind me, and I could see that was not Arsenal fans behind us, right? It was a big, like, herd of them. And I just said, come on, let's go in. He went, no, no, we're all right here. I said, right, you stay here. I'm going in. See you later. So he, he did follow me in. And we went in under the North Bank. And we looked to our right as soon as we got there. And they just went, four, like that. We're exactly where we were. You know? Well... And it ended up on the pitch. It was like a real, real, real nightmare. I went to an away match against Millwall, um, but I had to go in the away end because I couldn't get an, a, a home ticket. Sorry. Uh, I went in the home end with the Millwall fans because I couldn't get an away ticket, I beg your pardon. And um, I just bought a brand new kit and I had it on under a jacket. And, uh, yeah, right in front of me, and I had a, a scarf as well. I had a scarf I tucked in. And uh, right in front of me, this big, burly Millwall fan just stood up, held up a, uh, an Arsenal top and set light to it and just held it there, burning right in front of me. And I was like, yeah. literally sank back into my chair. <laughs> Whilst, There's not you know, much you can do, really, is there? No, no, no. But it, there were some good days there, though. But uh, actually, it's at Arsenal Millwall where one of my worst days happened because I almost saw David Rowcastle die literally 10 yards in front of me because he, he, he like, swallowed his tongue and blocked his airways. Do you remember? Was that a hybrid? He stopped. Um, was it a hybrid? I don't think it was. I think it was at the den. Um, I might be wrong on that one. Actually, that's a good question. But I was all I remember is I was in a tear just started coming down my eyes because it looked was really serious. He stopped breathing for quite a long time, and apparently, um, since heard on a podcast that with Gary Lewin on it, he had to break Rocastle's jaw to actually get you know to pull his sort of tongue up. Yeah, and he snapped his jaw. Oof. Yeah, it was very serious, but yeah, I mean, he's my favourite player of all time, David Rowcastle, and uh, to see him prostrate on the floor, and it was, uh, the whole ground just went hushly quiet, it was, it was horrible, horrible moment, but yeah, one that will live with me, but let's move on anyway, because uh, obviously got a few things to get through, and um, you've obviously sent, I've sent you the, uh, the sort of format of uh, Mesa Island Discs, and you all come up with some answers. And the first question, I'll go to you first, Seb, as a debutante, um, is the goal, the Arsenal goal that you'd be quite happy to watch over and over again uh, whilst you're stranded on this desert island. Which yeah, one have you chosen? An, well, it's an obvious one for me. It's the Tony Adams against Everton. 
Yeah. For me, that's just, and it's, it's the whole thing that afterwards in walking away, uh, I was in the lower North Bank, just in front, by the West Stand, you know, so, mm. and he, he just mm. walked, I just, I, I think I ended up upside down. <laughs> I was what like, you know, it was, just, uh, it was just the greatest Arsenal moment for me ever, you know, yeah. and, and the fact it was Tony Adams, Yeah. it just, and, and left foot volley, you know, the, the chip, the crossover, they've been showing it a lot, you know. Yeah, it yeah. Bold, bold kicked it to him, wasn't it? No, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Was it bold? No, Steve Bold. He was bold. Yeah. Uh, oh, he left by them, obviously. Not. Anyway, and uh, what a goal. He just cracked it in. And the way he just walked off majestically. I know. Amazing. So that, that's, that's fine. I could watch yeah. that forever. Very, very hard to beat. Very hard to beat. It's, it is an iconic moment in history uh, for Arsenal, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah, it's incredible into the season. What about yours, Stan? What's your goal? Well, first of all, that's a really good uh, choice, Sebastian. That is one of the most iconic goals, you know, and, and as you say, I've been seeing that one doing the rounds quite a lot recently. But the one that I've gone for, and it's one that every time I see it on maybe social media, if I'm scrolling and someone posts it, I always stop and look at it, and I don't just look at it once. I watch it maybe three or four times because it just mesmerises me. And that's the Dennis Bergkamp goal, uh, the Newcastle one. Mm. It's, you know, every time I see it, I have to stop and see and just watch it again because I just, it's just one of those goals that you're never, ever going to see it again. And, and I'll tell you what, if someone, scored a goal like, if someone scored a goal like that today... There's that one little bit where he goes, sod off. Do you know what I mean? With his, his, his elbow, his arm, something. He shrugs him off. Dabby's that, something it is. And today on VAR, some bloke in an office would be going, mm, I don't know. He sort of went like that a bit, didn't he? Do you know what? That's true. It is true, isn't it? It's, that's why I hate VAR. It's just, oh, I hate, oh, it. I hate yeah. it as well. And but the it's other a- thing um, about that goal as well, I've heard Burkamp talk about it, that the pass that comes in from uh, Perez. It wasn't one of his best passes. So no. <laughs> the instinct that it all, the way that that goal happens, I mean, it all happens within a second, but the instinct to control the ball from the from the bad pass and then to basically to turn to Dabby's ass the way he did and then finish it. It's, it's the equivalent of me standing with a guitar and reading the music and trying to play it, or Jimi Hendrix, whose brain just sends the information straight to his fingers and it just happens naturally. That's the equivalent of Dennis Bergkamp. There's no thought in what he's doing. It just happens instinctively. It's that little thing with his foot. Shows that. Yeah. No, the, the little thing he does with his foot at the beginning. And, to, and, so, and the way he turns. So it's, it's sort of reverse turn, isn't it? It's like it defies logic. Yeah, I know. It, it's, I think it was recently voted the best goal of all time. In, well, say of all time, of the Premier League. Really, was it? Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about voted. It was uh, chosen, it, chosen, it chosen by Lineker and Wright on match of the day for sure. Okay. And maybe it was, or maybe I don't know if there was a poll as well. There might have been. Um, yeah. But I, I, they, I, I, they had it on that match of the day thing recently, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's he's had some <laughs> several goals, hasn't he? Of. Um, uh, I think still the only person ever to have all three goals, uh, a top three of a goal of the month competition yeah. as well. Um, the goals against Leicester. Um, yeah, that was inc- incredible player. Absolutely incredible player. Um, let's move on then and go back to you again, Seb, for the game. The game that you'll be happy to take with you. What have you chosen for that? 
Um, uh, hang on a minute. I've got a note here and it's got all squiggly and I can't read what it is. I mean, I've put, I've put 80, you know, 89, 1989 was the obvious, you know, uh, yeah. but I wasn't at that game. So I think I'll choose one that I was at and I'm probably going to go with the 1994 Cup Winners' Cup win, Alan Smith's goal. Yeah. Because um, that was just such a great night. I, afterwards, I ended up in a bar and Thomas Brolin walks in, the Palmer player. So everyone's like, oh, you know, it was packed full of gunners. And then who walks in but Johnny Jensen at about two in the morning? Oh, really? And it just goes off. <laughs> and he, he just went, all right, calm down, calm down. No, that's, we that's, sitting, that's what he looked like. He just got on the table. Everyone was waiting for him. He stood on the table in sort of semi-broken leg or whatever because he was injured. And he just went, I only have one thing to say. And he, he just he just went, he just went, one nil, we beat the scum, one nil. Tottenham, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and then we had just all sung one nil to the Arsenal all night. It was just such a brilliant night, you know. In Copenhagen, it was friendly. There was no trouble. And the next morning, I got a train at six in the morning to Hamburg because I travelled up from Hamburg. And I, I read all these newspapers said something in Danish Arsenal. I was like, so I asked the guy. I said, well, you know, what, what's it say on the headline? And it just said, thank you, Arsenal. I thought. Class, brilliant, brilliant, fantastic. Because that Copenhagen thoroughly enjoyed having us there. That's fantastic. Less said about the Galatasaray game a few years later, the better. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that could be an option for the next, uh, the next one we'll come to, isn't it? Really. What's your choice for game that you'd love to watch again and again, Stan? What is the thing, right? You're sending me off to this desert island, but the reality is, I'm not. I'm not going to be allowed to go on my own. I mean, she's just going to want to come as well. So it's going to have to be something that she's going to have a very good interest in, right? I'm going to, if I want to watch this game over and over again, otherwise, you know, I mean, I'll be getting it in here. So the one that I'm going to go for, and it's um, it's quite a recent one, and um, strangely enough, it was a game that happened under the Emry, uh, Unai Emery uh, era. Wow. But it's special to me because it was my 50th birthday and I was living in Amsterdam at the time before I moved over here. And my girlfriend is Canadian and she's been living there for 10 years and she has to support Arsenal it's by default, right? So she has to have a vested interest. Say no more. And <laughs> oh, that's why I thought you were going to choose one where Freddie Jungberg had to get his top off or something, you know, just so she could enjoy it that way. <laughs> And so for my 50th birthday, she managed to uh, get us two tickets to that game. We bought two games at Spurs. Oh, wow. For my 50th. So we flew to London, and, uh, and it was her first ever football match that she's ever been to. She'd never been to a football match before. Wow. And obviously, I, was going to be, I knew that we were going to be moving on here to Canada. So that's probably the last time now that I'm probably going to actually have an opportunity to see Arsenal play, you know, in the flesh for a very long time. And, and uh, she also made on a surprise birthday party for me with a lot of friends in London. And to top it all off, to wear to the game, she bought me this top. Fantastic. Which is an original, and the man sold it, selling it to her, so it was actually worn. No way. Now, wow. Selling, that was just a selling point, but it, it's a good quality one. So it was a good weekend for me. So 
for that reason, for all those reasons, I'm going to go for that match. And it was a great day out, I tell you. You know, by the time I came out of there, I could barely speak. Well, that's amazing. That's a great, well, fantastic choice then. Absolutely fantastic choice. That's a, that, I mean, I've got pretty goosebumps for that, actually. That's amazing. Great. I mean, uh, if, you, if you ever decide to split up, then um, just pass her name my way. And, uh, oh, it was quite funny. Okay. <laughs> Where we were sat in the upper North Bank, it's obvious that the tickets that we had were for people that would regularly go and sit in its seat. So we had a load of guys on, on my side, and there was a load of guys on her side. And obviously, you know, before the game starts and that, they're talking across us to each other because they know, they know each other. Yeah, that game, right? They were hugging us. They were giving me misses, kisses on the cheek, wishing us a merry Christmas. You know, it was one big happy family. It was a great day out, and especially yeah. her first ever football match. It was such an experience for her. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Great choice. By the way, for the last answer that you gave, um, Stan, I should have really played this, shouldn't I? Hang on. Mr. Burkamp, Mr. Burkamp, Mr. Burkamp, Mr. Burkamp. <laughs> it's a fan of yours watching as well, Junko Paul. Oh, fan, of, fan of Sebastian here, I'm enjoying this. Thank, thanks for watching. <laughs> great, great there's stuff. A, there's, there's a funny thing about that is that the drummer is a Tottenham fan. I'm joking. No, I'm afraid not. But it is John Moss of Culture Club. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But uh, alas, he is a Tottenham fan. Wow, I, I would have got. But, I, I but know. you know what? Can you That's imagine a Tottenham, a Tottenham playing that? How did you feel while he was playing that? I know, yeah. Just thinking, oh God, when do I finish? You know, do I, am I going to get paid? But no, done a good job. Done no, a good job, Phil. You didn't get paid. <laughs> I don't pay top. I don't pay top fans. I'm glad, glad to hear it. Very glad. <laughs> no, he did it because he loved the music. He was in the band for a while. He was in the air, and uh, so he just did it because he liked like my songwriting. To be honest with you, mm. and he, 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 he used to play Highbury Sunshine as well. And we Fantastic. used to had a dig at him for that, but you know, he put music above football. He's more a music guy than a football guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. I'll let him off then. I'll let you yeah, off. Yeah, we'll let him off. Done some good, good. Done some good stuff. Oh, but for the good, the good of fans, as this thing says, uh, 101 uses for a Tottenham fan. Play my drums. Yeah. <laughs> there can't be another hundred no, after that. Drums now, off. <laughs> yeah, actually, there could uh, there could be sort of um, the background cast of The Walking Dead. You know, maybe that's another option do that. uh, for the other hundred. So let's move on to the next uh, next category. Then that's the the game that you'd like to just sort of get rid of, change the result of, wipe from history. Uh, so what's your choice on that, Seb? Um, well, obviously it's Paris. I was there. It was, you know, well, I'm, may I have two? May I say it's not going to be Paris because it's too obvious. Yeah, right? okay. It is obviously the most, I think, for me, yeah. I mean, it was just, it doesn't get lower. Um, I still see Thierry Henry through, running towards the goal. Mm. I'm right behind it. 
thinking he's got a score, you know, and he didn't. One of those. But um, I'm going to go back to, I think it's 74 or 75 when I was a wee lad. Mm. And Arsenal v Burnley. And it was pouring with rain. I was standing up the North Bank on my own. And I must have been 10 years old. And I've been going for four years. And uh, I used to tell my mum I was going with friends, but just sneak off and go because I was... I was besotted with Arsenal. It was like nothing was going to stop me going, you know. Mm. So um, I stood there and this little Brian Flynn fella, so I've got a slight re- um, reverb thing. So um, Brian Flynn, he was a tiny player and we were crap. Pat Rice was on his last legs. He was hobbling about the pitch. I yeah. think Brady was playing. I think it was one of his first games, O'Leary. Um, and we were dire. And... We went 1-0 down, and then I went, I thought, I saw this, 10 minutes to go, I left the covering and stood in the rain on my way out. But as you do, I couldn't actually leave. I wanted to leave, and I kept sort of leaving a bit, but not really leaving. Yeah. Was, but we were that bad, and I was standing there watching us. The rain, I was drenched. And then Brian Flynn ran up, went, ran through the whole Arsenal defence and scored a second. I'm not even sure if, how, what the score was, but... Um, yeah, that was that was a low. I remember going home, just you know, feeling really, really low. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a good, a good personal choice. I like having <laughs> ones like that. No, it is because it's an unusual one. It's not one that I'm probably going to get again. And I like hearing those sorts of stories. And I had a similar experience. I went to a Boxing Day game. I think it was. Well, was it Boxing Day? Uh, it, might have been, it was definitely around Christmas. It might have been New Year, but I went to watch Arsenal be away at Wimbledon and it was at the old Plough Lane. Yeah. So it was a long time ago and it was the world's shittiest ground. I mean, it was, like, it was literally like a non-league ground and the away end was completely open. It was totally exposed. And I, I remember there was, there was plants... Oh, yeah. Plants growing up through the, you know, the terraces and everything. It was just like horrendous. Stanford Bridge used to have that as well. Yeah, and it was absolutely freezing cold. The wind was howling in and it was snowing. There was snow on the ground, but it was only lightly snowing, but it was blowing into your face. And I've never been so cold in my entire life. I, I, I just went on my own. And I remember that I'm sure we lost 1-0, but... I'd, I'd lost all feeling in my body and I was thinking, what the hell am I doing? You know, cause it was that, that cold. And that was a very similar experience to what you sort of uh, mentioned there against Burnley. I saw but, Ray Parler, I think it was Ray Parler's debut, or it was his first goal uh, at Plough Lane. Mm. And, uh, it, it was like, oh, who's this Ray Parler? Let's see what he's like, I remember thinking. And uh, mm. I think we beat him. It was a blinder, it was great. So, so. Yeah, I, I've had, we've had some good times uh, against uh, against Wimbledon, but that was a particularly dire game. I remember it, uh, and it was horrendous. Nothing really happened. It was a, it, everyone had had too much turkey, as they all the commentators took great joy in saying at that time of year, every year, whenever there was a bad performance. But it was terrible, and uh, I think I nearly died of hypothermia. So, what's your choice, Dan? Well, I'm still. I'm still- I'm still pretty uh, scarred about the uh, Champions League final. You know, I mean, and I realised that I've never watched that back, but you know, these Arsenal legend videos that have been released on the Arsenal channel, they've all touched on it. And uh, every time it's mentioned, 
I could feel, I could feel, I could feel the anger rising. I could feel the anger rising. But the one that I'm gonna, the one that I've actually chosen, I was 12 years old. It was 1980, and uh, I was at that age where I was starting to take a keen interest now in my football team, other than just picking stickers, right? I had my Arsenal football kit, and my mum had just bought me a black and white television for my bedroom. Mm. And it was the uh, Cup Winners Cup final against Valencia. And I asked my mum if I could watch it in the front room on the colour TV. She said, No, you know, we bought you the television. That's what you, uh, you know, that's what we got it for. You watch it in your room. So I'm sat on my bed in my full arsenal kit watching this uh, on black and white TV. And at the time, because we'll see where this is going to go when I say this, at that time, Graham Rick was my favourite player. He mm. was a good player. So I don't know what it was about him. I've always had a thing about left wingers, you know, players that play on the left for some reason, and he was the number 11. So when he stepped up for that penalty, and that penalty didn't oh. go in, I, burst, it was, I just burst into tears. Yeah. yeah. But the sweet thing about it was is that I think my mum must have been secretly watching it play out. Because as soon as I burst out into tears, she came running in and gave me this big hug. Like she knew exactly. She was telling me, like you know, not to worry. Well, so she was watching it in the other room on in colour and making you watch it in black and white. Well, yeah, she was she, she, TV. I'm not watching my own TV, right? And so, like you know, I can understand. Yeah, they weren't cheap back then, right? You know, single mum family as well, right? She probably had to like get her pennies together, but. What was sweet about it was like he was concerned to see how it would play out, whether I was going to be in a happy mood or a sad mood, you know. And she came in to console me. Oh, I'll see how he's getting on. Maybe, she, maybe giving her the benefit of the doubt and playing devil's advocate, she might have heard it on the radio. You never know. But she, all I'm going to say is, though, my old girl, she ran a twitch bit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first TV I had in my room was a hand me down from my sister who'd had it for years and years already. And uh, it was a black and white portable telly, but it had one of those dials rather than the, the buttons for each channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. It had one dial. of those dials, like a radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had one of those as well. Yeah. Oh, no, it was God. funny, the black and white, I mean, there must have been quite, you know, it was like, shut, shut the kid up, kid up, give him a black and white TV. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was like instant babysitter. And yeah. Saturday nights used to be, it was like Eric and Early, Starsky and Hutch, match of the day. You had a whole kind of, that was it, wasn't it? Saturday Oh, night. definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I loved, I used to love Saturdays when the A-team, is, is it, you know, they had a series of the A-team, then it maybe you switched to Dukes of Hazard, then it may have been, you know, uh, uh, Night Knight Rider, Night Rider. Well, it's only because of those programmes, I love those programmes, yeah. uh, amazing. Right, uh, so we've both done those. Next category is a song, and it's a song um, that best describes the Wenger era to you. Um, and obviously, it's back to you again. Well, so. I'm gonna, I mean, just for sort of obvious reasons, I'm going to go on to, I'm going I'm to pick a song I wrote. Well, mm. I say wrote, I sort of got together, concocted, mm. called Arsene Wenger on Bass. Oh, I love which that is, song, Which yeah. is a fun little track. Um, there was a band called the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, which were a bit <laughs> Oxy Python and a bit Beatley related um, back in the 70s. And they did this track. I can't remember what it was called, but there was one bit where it said, Adolf Hitler on vibes, you know, and then it went, you know, Mao Zedong on drums or whatever. And it did this whole kind of crescendo of musicians. 
uh, and it was just hilarious. I thought, oh, well, we'll, we'll do this with uh, with Arsenal and, and just have the players. It was Arsenal Wenger on base. And then it's, I think, Lee Dixon on Congress or something. I can't remember. So it was fun to do, just sit in the studio, just give each player an instrument and, and go all the way through and, and have some fun with it. So there it is. Ashley Cole on Shaker. Ashley Cole. Fantastic. Love this. Genius. Well, it was fun. It was fun to do. I bet it was. Absolutely great. Really love that. So what did I mean overall? What are your it just, you know, I, I, we can go on about it for ages, but obviously with a relatively shortish answer set, what, what's your overall thoughts on the Wenger era? Do you, are you one of the guys who sort of literally breaks it up into maybe three sections, or are you happy to look back on it as an overall picture, like I am, or do you... Yeah, uh, <laughs> it does sort of split in two, obviously. Um, uh, the, the main thing was when we left Highbury. I don't blame Wenger so much in a way because it was sort yeah. of inevitable that we we left Highbury mm. and everything changed. Yeah, um, and it was all inevitable. I, I dare say that if we stayed at Highbury for ten years, we'd have had a completely different second ten years. I think so as well. Um, and so you know, we were a completely different outfit on the whole. I mean, he was the, the greatest manager of my lifetime. I mean, George Graham was fantastic. Um, but even George Graham would admit to that Wenger, and in fact did, a little name drop here, I had a cappuccino and a croissant bought for me at Cafe Nero by George Graham. Really? Oh, wow. And when we fantastic. sat down, I said, I said, George, if you'd have said to me, I'm thinking now about the Torino game, where we, I think we beat them 1-0-0. And if you'd have said to me then, you're going to be sitting in 10 years' time with George Graham having a cappuccino, I would not have believed you. But no. um, he's a very affable guy and he lives around here. And I've bumped into him a few times. And because I run this little local satirical magazine, I asked him for an interview. He said, yes, we did the interview. And then, uh, I don't know, a while later, he sat down and said, do you fancy a coffee? I went, yeah, all right. So we sat down, had a coffee. And wow. he said, he said Wenger, Wenger was getting sick at the time. And he said, make no mistake, Wenger's the greatest manager Arsenal have ever had. That was coming from George Gray. Yeah. Well, so, what, what really... Because I know he lost a few fans when he went and managed the, those ones who would, won't be named down the road. <laughs> but what, what a great story was. There's um, a Tyler came out and said that when he was manager of Tottenham, he had a, a, a swimming pool... Uh, and he, he retiled the swimming pool and he had the, the Arsenal crest on the bottom of the swimming pool. And that was when he... He only, he only went there to mess them up. That, no, that, that was when he was a Spurs manager. He actually put the Arsenal, Arsenal crest in the swimming pool as he was the Spurs manager. 
Right, yeah, yeah. Well, so that, I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, George Graves. Well, Graves exactly. He says it all, really, Chelsea didn't it? And look, we've had loads of players and managers, people who move from one club to another. You know, Willie Young played for Tottenham at one point. I remember, you know, it's funny watching all these old games and you mm. see all the players and the way they move around and everyone moves around. And, and you know, listen, Sol Campbell came to us. You know, Pat Jennings came to us. Yeah, uh, just going to say. Had, um, what was his name? Uh, Clive Watson, Clive Allen. He went over to them, didn't he? Yeah, well, he didn't play a game for us, did he? I don't think, no, in the end. No, I don't think so. But, you know, no. there's always going to be a bit of that. They're professionals. And look, Graham's offered a contract. He goes there. Weird thing, weird place to go. I got to well, he at the end of the day, he, he didn't have to move, did he? He could just do it from, I mean, he needed, he wanted a job and, well, there you go. I, I don't hold it against him personally. Well, I don't because he didn't win anything with them. Um, he, he did, was, he won the League Cup with them. Did he? Yeah, in his first season. Oh, he didn't, did he? I don't remember that. I must have blanked that from my... Yeah, from my, he, one, of their last, one of their last trophies probably, to be honest with you. I think it must have been. Yeah, no, in his first season, he won the League Cup. Wow, uh, okay. Oh, well, what... Anyway, I don't, I don't see him, I see him as an Arsenal man through. I do, yeah. And the good thing is, since all the 89 stuff really came out again, the documentary and everything, I think so many more people have really given him the credit that he deserves and the love that he deserves after all these years. I think yeah. he's he's been re, re-recognised uh, as the true icon that he is, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, club. as far as you know, as far as Wenger's concerned, I was I was definitely a crit- critical of him the last certainly three or four years. Um, you know, uh, but it's a bit like you know you can love someone without liking what they're doing. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. how I felt about Wenger. Of course, I you know I loved him like a you know he's Mr. Arsenal. I mean, God, when he joined, his name even began A R S E N. I know. God, make that. I mean, no, um, I, I so, thought, so, yeah. that's weird, isn't it? That is weird, <laughs> but it's a weird quirk. Uh, but yeah, I, I see with me. I, I just think that I mean I can't wait for his book to come out, and I just hope that there's some revelations in there. But I can't see it because he's such a gentleman, and um, I think he he was like Batfink's. Remember Batfink? I think he was like at the Shield of Steel, like protecting the club. From so much shit in the board, I, I, I think he took it all in himself and all all the stress on his shoulders, and he, he was happy to take all the flack and just to protect the club and the name of the club. But yeah. we were like, at the end of the day, like you said, and I don't want to go into it too much because it's eating into your time answering your questions. But moving to the Emirates, it was just all down to a big lie, wasn't it? And we're going to be competing with Bayern Munich, etc. Those famous words, and from the moment we moved in there. It just went downhill, really, unfortunately. And I totally agree. If we'd have stayed at the beautiful, beautiful Highbury, I think we'd have been a hell of a lot more successful. Well, it was a fortress and we'd made it, you know. It was a, <coughs> it was a temple, wasn't it? It was our home. I, I, I don't think I'm being... Um, what's it? When I say that it, it's the, one of the most beautiful grounds in the world. Yeah. But it, it was uh, the Art Deco facade around, absolutely stunning. Still and, guts me, yeah, yeah. and me, and I'm glad that it's there, sort of. You know that the the stand is still there, and you can still see it and walk past it on the way to the Emirates. Um, I'm really glad for that. But it brings back so much, so many memories and so much emotion in me when I walk past it. I love, I just love the place. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, I'll never really. Got it on the uh, front cover of this, the Gooner album. A bit of plugging there. Yeah, that's a great album. No, it's a great cover as well. It is a beautiful cover. Beautiful cover. Uh, and you could get this, it's on Spotify and everything. So you yeah. There's some Arsenal songs on it, including a few I wrote as well. So. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. I've already, I've already had um, some comments about it saying that, it, that you know, Junko again said, uh, is it Junko or Junko? I can't, I don't know. How, sorry for the pronunciation. Oh, there we are. I love the Gooner album. Yeah, I love the Gooner album. Exactly. George Graham is a great man. He is. He is, he a, great is a great man. man. Absolutely. Now, Stan, what would be your choice of song for the Wenger era? Well, I'd do look at the Wenger era in, in kind of like two bits. And like, you know, two bits in there quite distinct. So the song that I've gone for is Unbelievable by EMF. Great song. I love I that song. The first part of it, you know, the first part was unbelievably good. You know, he makes an unbelievably good signings. He was, you know, an unbelievably good man management. You know, some unbelievably good football. But in the second part, I'd have to say that some of it was unbelievably bad. So and, you, and, and that bit, you could go, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, some of our, you know, selling our, some of our best players to our competition, to our competition. So, you know, as much as I love the man, you know, unfortunately, it is a story of two halves for me. So I'm going to go mm. with that one. Unbelievably good, unbelievably bad. Yeah, I love that song as well. I think it's one of those songs that's quite timeless. It always sounds good, no matter, you know, it doesn't really age, does it? I think it's a great song. But the, the problem with Wenger, he was just so stubborn, and that spoiled a lot of his decision-making, I think, and uh, he could have made some better decisions and made some buys when he was crying out for a defensive cover, and he just... Didn't you know? You go out, and it's also, in a way, another reason why I love him, because he was desperate for a central defender or defensive midfielder, and he'll bring us back Thomas Rosicki instead, <laughs> because he just <laughs> he loved beautiful football. However, it wasn't to the benefit of the team, um, unfortunately. And uh, the, the one thing that I would like to say about Arsenal Wenger as well, on a positive note, is that when he did come in to take over as manager. I'm so glad that he didn't feel the need that he had to totally break up the team. Especially well, yeah. That he obviously saw something and was, you know, for whatever reason, he decided to keep that back fourth, like back five intact. Because I think that was, you know, that, that, that was a big building block and a foundation for, you know, for some of the good stuff that we had on the vendor. Well, I, I had um, Nigel Winsburn on the show earlier on in the season and he said about the Bruce Rioch era, we all know about the Ian Wright situation, but it turns out that he was almost sold as well, Nigel Winterburn. I mean... Oh, yeah. Nutty was such a great player and oh, very underrated oh. and, and uh, a real, Amazing. you know what, dedicated guy, proper Arsenal man, you know. Well, on that podcast I mentioned earlier, that was a Sky podcast I, I tweeted about today, um, Dicko was was absolutely effusive in his praise for um, for Winterburn, and he said that he genuinely cannot remember anyone getting past him. He said the only person whoever he struggled with was um, well, he didn't even struggle, but it was David Beckham he used to cross it before he had to go round him because he could never would get round him. So he was a few games he past Dicko. <laughs> yeah, well. 
honestly, he said, I, I cannot remember any players getting the better of Nigel Winterburn ever, uh, you know, and uh, uh, so, well, yeah, very under- incredible. And that was, uh, again, you know, what we've got to thank George Graham for, which gave uh, Wenger a great head start. But I never thought I'd see the football that I saw under Wenger. You right. know, I never thought I'd see Arsenal play that kind of football. Yeah, yeah. And I was just so grateful for that, you know. And that, that's why I can't ever say a bad word about Wenger because he, he gave me some of the most exhilarating moments on you know I've ever watched on a football pitch, you know. Yeah. And Well um, also if you bear in mind that not only did he win the league at White Hart Lane, right? Mm. Which we've now done twice, but for you know and he won it at Old Trafford, you know. Mm. So that you know, that was to, to and, and if you think about Arsenal we're probably the only team to have not only won the league at our rivals' place, but also at the sort of great clubs like Liverpool, winning it at Anfield, winning it at Old Trafford. Mm. I don't, I don't think Liverpool it Old Trafford actually at Old Trafford. Or I don't think so. I don't think we'd have heard the last of it, so it can't have happened. Yeah. So we've had these amazing moments of absolute euphoria. You know that other teams can only dream of, and the, yeah. the addition of it being at Old Trafford and at White Hart Lane. Like, you know, I mean, I'm still a little bit annoyed. There's that little thing about not beating Tottenham. I know, Andy. I'm, I'm the same. Do you know what? I, I it spoiled it for me as well, to be honest. But uh, I didn't I, spoil it. It spoiled it. You know what, I, I, I want to say that. I mean, of course, it was incredible, but we were so it, it did take a little bit of a thing off it that we didn't quite win the game. However... We took the cherry back off, yeah. but we still had the cake. Yeah. Yes, and ate but, it but, as well. But, but Vieira there, and, and, and Bergkamp and Perez and that team was just fantastic, you know. We just sliced through them like butter, you know, most Amazing. And yeah. I, I, we've seen... We've seen several different teams under Wenger as well that are all incredible in their own right. I mean, the, the 98-99 team was, was absolutely incredible to watch. We had Overmars on the left as well and Petit and Vieira in the middle. I remember the headline after France won the World Cup in 98, Arsenal win the World Cup. Yeah. You know... Uh, it's just, you know, for how many years West Ham were going on about West Ham winning, winning the World Cup, and we had it in '98. It's, it's, it was a fantastic time. Now we move on to the very difficult subject of Unai Emery, and uh, I, you know, listeners of the regular listeners to the podcast know exactly what I think about Unai Emery, uh, and I'm glad I haven't got to go through all that of was my own choices again. Well, well. No, no, I didn't do the George Graham one. But we move on to the Unai Emery uh, section. Well, so what's your choice of song for that, Seb? Um, I've gone for a really weird one because I saw it on telly the other day. And there's that little bit in Tottenham Hotspur's FA Cup song, Spurs are on their way to Wembley, where <laughs> Ozzy Ardiles goes, in the cup, but the cup I know, I put it... And that just reminds I just thought, you know, poor old Unai, right? I mean, his command of the English language simply wasn't good enough to manage a football club in this country. You know, it does, you have to be able to talk to the players, you know, mm. and I don't, I, tactically and otherwise, yes, we could criticise him for that, but that was from the start. I remember his first interview, I think, 
this isn't going to work. You know, and then we got a bit lucky, you know, for a bit. But it was always like we were riding our luck. Um, hello. Uh, sorry. No, that's my... That's my... Uh, yeah, so I've, got, I've gone for Spurs are on their way to Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> I play a little clip of that every now and then on the on the beginning of the podcast. Oh, that uh, Aussie yeah. Ardeely's bit, but uh, yeah, comical, I mean, really. it's a bit comical now, you know, in retrospect. And I feel sorry for the guy because I think he was just a bit out of his depth. And uh, this would also be a good one for Unai Emery. Hang on a second, bear with me one sec. Shut up in your face. Yes, I remember it, yeah. <laughs> only, only the guy who's seen shut up in your face. Sounds a bit like him. <laughs> no, if I can understand what he's saying. Wasn't his name Joe Dolce? Joe Dolce, yeah. That's but you can understand what Joe Dolce's saying. Yeah, well, it's very true, but... Whereas, um, You've got to know respect for him. Shut up your face. End of. That's a really good choice for uh, Bruno Emery. I might change my choice for that one. Anyway, what's your choice, Dan? Well, I went for Nowhere Man by the Beatles. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was that. But the, the, what cut the image for me was, I think it was the standard re-age game. Was that the one where Nicolas Pepe scored a two-free kick? No, that was um, the home Victoria, okay, Victoria one. When Nicolas Pepe scored those two-free kicks, yeah. and Cameron went for the bench, and he just looked like he had nothing left in Miami. He was slumped in his chair, and had this really... Um, Really weird expression on his face, and he just looked like a real nowhere man to me. He looked isolated, you know. And it was weird because, as a, you think that we've just got ourselves out of jail, that we'd be up, and like, yeah. And I was watching it in the pub over here in Vancouver, and the way he looked, it kind of came through the TV, and it made me. Yeah. He didn't. He wasn't happy, was he? He wasn't happy when the. Maybe this is what rubs off on the players. You know, his whole demeanour, you know, he should have been up there pumping his fist, pushing the team on and saying, hold well on, you know, you've got to out of jail, yeah, good. But, yeah, he just looks so isolated, so on his own. I know. Well, I, did, I did have one good night, though, with it. I've got to say, the, the, the Valencia away. Um, and I went to that. And he was manager then, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I went to that game and that, that was... A great, great night. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to? I, I think lucky, though, yeah. I think that that was because of the players and not because of him. Don't you think yeah. it, it was down to the brilliance of Lacazette and Aubameyang on the night? Yeah, they just. They, I they don't want to take night. anything away from him unnecessarily. I don't want to be literally giving him no credit for anything at all. But I think a lot of those great nights at Lucky against Napoli and especially against Valencia, I think it was a lot down to the players. And the second half of, of um, that great Spurs game that you went to, Stan, I, I think a lot of that was down to the, the players on the on the night. I, I, I just, I get that feeling that it, it, 
People were going on about how great it was that he was making these substitutions at half time, but he was just correcting his own mistakes, just not playing the right players from the start. You know? I think it was because well, Wenger always waited till the 70th minute, didn't he? And he mm. would, would stubbornly, even when it was so obviously going wrong and that. So that it felt refreshing for us for a bit because it was like, oh, at, le- at least he'll do that. You know, we need it's obvious what needs to be done. And he's not going to wait till 69 minutes and we're three nil down or something, you know. Yeah. Which in the second t- ten, sort of ten years of Wenger's life, or the last five, it started grinding that. Just, you know, just, you wouldn't sub a just to say he's not dead. Just to say he's not dead. Just to anyone listening out there, you know. I don't think, I don't think we know. The last ten years of Wenger's life, you said. I'm sorry, so I just, I mean, just Wenger's tenure at Arsenal. <laughs> sorry. No, 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 <laughs> I don't agree with Sebastian there because you know when he first came in, we were so used, like you're saying, setting our watch for 75 minutes for any changes. It seemed new and it was different, but then it seemed became apparently clear that the reason that he was making these changes was because he got it wrong in the first place, right? And yeah. Kind of scrabbling to kind of repair it, and and that's understandable when you've got maybe a new manager coming in, but he seemed to do that for most of his tenure as a manager. Yeah. You never saw him actually seem to get the starting lineup right and correct. I think there's two things that stand out for me looking back on Unai Emery's tenure. There's one which was the Watford game unbelievably earlier this season, which is just seems years ago. But when we were 2-0 up at half-time and they they brought it back to 2-0 at the end of the game. But he brought on um, Reese Nelson in the second half. And I just remember that I've got vivid memory of Reese Nelson he was talking to Reese Nelson right in his ear roll before sending him onto the pitch. And you could just see Reese Nelson's face, and he did not have a clue what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And I just thought, that just says it all to me. And um, that's one thing. And then the second thing was when Lacazette scored against South... I think it was against Southampton, last-minute equaliser. And he, no one celebrated, not even the crowd. And, and not one player on the pitch celebrated that last-minute equaliser. Yeah, yeah. That was that was so. I've never seen that before, ever. I've never seen that on a football pitch. Yeah, no, he'd lost. Oh, I think he'd lost the team. He'd lost the fans, and uh, it was it was. I, it was reminded me a bit of Rigsby and Rising Dan for some reason. <laughs> yeah. a very very sharp Spanish accent. Um, so you know, we look. We're Arsenal, so we gave him, we gave him the benefit of the doubt, gave him a chance, and. You know, um, I, I'll prove myself wrong uh, that I actually wanted him. I thought, OK, well, he's probably better than Arteta because Arteta's got no experience. He's been at Paris Saint-Germain. He's had some experience. Um, but I was wrong. You know, um, for now, let's hope, you know, well, we'll move on to Arteta, will we? Yes, yeah. Yeah, we've, uh, it's, it's your choice now. You might as well do it, as we say. Right, so right. little segue. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I've gone with, it's looking good by the Ruttles. The Ruttles were the Beatles, Beatles sort of Python-esque, jokey band. Um, if, you, if you've never seen the Ruttles, all you need is cash. It's yeah. the first ever mockumentary. Brilliant. It's like Spinal Tap, but it's about the Beatles. And it's brilliant. Eric Idle from Monty Python's... Uh, and Neil Linnis wrote all the songs, and the songs are great. Yeah, uh, it's are. looking good. It's looking good. It's looking good. It's looking good. It's looking good. <laughs> and that's, if you've not seen it, Andrew, you can see that. I haven't. I've got a. I've got a sound brilliant. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. 
It's a whole cult, cult thing, the Ruttles. I mean, they're, I think, they're yeah. funny, very yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, so do watch the Ruttles. Yeah, you can get this on YouTube. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it. I've got It's Looking Good, the Ruttles. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, I, it just sounds like my sort of humour. I love the Monty Python. Uh, that sounds really good, actually. It's got, it's got like Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. It's got all the Saturday Night Live. Wow. It's got uh, Bill Murray. It's got, um, oh, wow. it's got George Harrison. The people's in it as a cameo at one point. It's got Michael Palin. Everybody, you got to watch it. It's brilliant. And what did you say the actual document mockumentary is called? It's called The Ruttles. Oh, it is called The Ruttles. Okay, all you great. Need is cash. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I'm definitely going to look that one up. Stan, what's your choice? Well, um, I've gone for a, a song from a Disney film, from Aladdin. Okay. But I, actually, I actually think the title works really well, and it's called A Whole New World. Yeah. yeah. What I mean by that is, I mean, it's so unfortunate that Nick Arteta just became the manager. It's his first break, you know, his first job. And everything's been halted. And when football does resume, it's going to be a whole new world for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know when the next time we're going to see football presented in the full stadium. No, I know. So it's, 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 what a weird start to his managerial career, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I feel for Mikel because, you know, as much as I love everything that he says, it was his first radio. And I did see it some... Um, Things that some of the, some of his choices and some of his in-game management could maybe, you know, if you're struggling for a win and you're battling, you don't and you don't see the game out and still have two two players on the bench that you can use. Do you know what I mean? That's a bit of a schoolboy error. So I wanted this season to play out so that he could get some of these things out of the system, regroup, and then start fresh. I'm hoping that the season does restart so that he can do that. When we do start next season, you know, hopefully he'll look back and reflect of all the games that he's managed and maybe look at some of the little errors he may have made and think, OK, this is what I need to do next time when I'm in that situation. But like said, like Sebastian, he wasn't my first choice only because it's a bit of a gamble, right? It's a bit of a gamble giving him the job, which is so big that he's asking But there's a part of me that loves to gamble. I do love to gamble. That they've made there's a part of me that loves that me too but yeah equally there's another part of me that does sort of sometimes worry that let's hope that it doesn't blow up in our face but it has my back in 100 percent it's still early days isn't it right yeah. i just love everything about the guy since he took over he wasn't my first choice either at all um but I was won over from the first press conference, to be honest. Yeah, and yeah. I, I wanted Rafa Benitez. I thought he'd be a great choice. He'd be settlers down for two or three years. He's got a great track record. I, I, but I couldn't be further away from that now. I'm all behind him completely, 100%. And I can, if, I can only see that he spent all of this time, you know, that he's been off, just doing all, just homework non-stop all day, every day. And, you know, looking at all the matches he's, he has managed, you know, looking at the mistakes, what he would do differently, getting advice from everyone he knows within football. I just, you just see that from him, can't you? You just, I bet you he's been doing that every day, you know, and also researching the players, chatting to the players and, and getting a plan for them all. I, I'm just really excited about when we can just get back to properly playing football in, you know, in front of fans 
I can't say I'm not good, not going to enjoy watching them when in, behind closed doors because it's Arsenal and I love watching Arsenal play. But it's I just can't wait to to be able to to see them in you know uh, in normal matches again. You know, my biggest worry for Mikel is that he says everything that he says is what I want to hear. I've listened to a lot of his interviews. There was the one with the phone interview. Do you know what? I thought the same. I just I can't feel like that though. I've genuinely had that worry, Stan. I hundred percent. I I don't get that feeling. I believe him. But my worry is, is that he doesn't get the backing from the board. Yeah, that's what he says is it's going to be a waste because it's all yeah. about, you know, Unai Emery wanting to go with Zaha. And this was before, you know, he was really under threat. And then the board listens to the manager and it's the player that I want. I want the player for these reasons. And then they go and give him Nicolas Pepe. I really hope that Nicolas Teta is going to have an opportunity to... These are the players that I want, as opposed to be given players and being told this is the players that you're going to have to work with and get the best out of. Trouble is, Dad, when Unai Emery, and this has all been documented, when Unai Emery took the job, he took the job as a head coach, not as a manager. Yeah, there's been a title change. And he knew that he was, he actually, with this world famous dossier that he came into the club with about all the players. <laughs> He knew that he had to work with the players that he was given and what he's got. He had no option about going out and buying Zaha. And the only reason we got Pepe was because Lille wanted payments over five years because of their financial situation. They had to prove that they need, they got some money coming in. And it worked for them. And it worked for us. We have no, no way of going to get um, 80 million quid out of the bank and going to buy Zaha. But... At the end of the day, it wasn't his choice anyway. He had no option. So I've got a massive worry about um, Mikel Arteta getting poached away if he doesn't get back. So that's, the, that's the problem I've got. And that's the big concern because I don't know whether he's got um, a say over which players that you know he wants. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's going to come out and say that, but hopefully they'll take his uh, his recommendations at least. I like I like his sort of no nonsense that he says. You know, look, if you pull your weight, or you're out. I yeah. like a manager who says things like that. Yeah, not, yeah. Not one, and I think that's one of my criticisms against Wenger is he probably sometimes when players weren't pulling their weight, he was just too soft and nice. Yeah, and, oh, you're managing a football team. You got you got to be ruthless. You know. Yeah, definitely. I heard a story the other day about Wenger, which for me was so out of character, and it was concerning the Adebayor transfer. You know, it, 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 the, done was, you know the deal was done, we have got good money uh, for Adebayor, we got 25 million that we were going to get, and it was right at the very last minute, he apparently went to Arsene Wenger and said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm having second thoughts about this, you know, I, I think I want to stay. And Arsene Wenger very politely informed him that, you know, we've actually gone past that now. And that point's actually gone. You know, you're on your way. Which is not the sort of thing that you can you sort of envision Arsene doing, right? You sort of imagine him going, oh, no, I don't want you to go either. No, but yeah, I, I think, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that once he'd made his mind up on a player or a player made his mind up for him. I think Adebayo's a sort of player, players with like quite large egos uh, would probably, Wenger, Wenger would put his foot down to them. But I think if he likes a player, he'd find it hard to say that, you know, I, you know, because it was a family and mm. it was, and that's why it's difficult in a way that there's, there's, 
there's a good side to having the family. You're all in it together and you help each other out. And, you know, that's what Arsenal is. But it's also a football team that needs an iron fist now and again, because otherwise you're going to start slipping down the table. And, yeah. you know, that point when we went to Man U and we lost, was it 8-1 or 8-2? 8-2. I mean, that's that that, that's you know, my choice of that's my choice of yeah. game to to burn in hell. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of those that you <laughs> you sunk. We all we all melted yeah. to the ground. I know. You couldn't get worse. And you thought, okay, now's the time you've got to get ruthless. Heads have got a roll, and and nothing really happened. You know? Well, that was that that was um, just before the time when he went out on the big shopping spree and bought all those players. And well, you know, he did, murdered. but. But yeah. there were, it, it was panic, panic buys more than anything. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. That was a shame. Well, but, it got to that, that he had to do it, you know, but we all sort of stopped yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I know. I know. Very sad. Well, let's move on to the last part of the, of the format, which is the film of your, well, best describes your Arsenal life and what Arsenal mean to you, Seb. Well, I sort of interpreted the rules. Uh, don't call me Dominic Cummings. Uh, I interpreted the <laughs> less said about him, the better. Right? But uh, my thumb's been tweaking for three days on that one. I've got a sore thumb. Um, but, uh, yeah, the film. Um, I've gone with the Arsenal Stadium mystery. <laughs> I interpreted it as um, what best represents Arsenal. And I just love that film because it's so sort of, oh, hello, it's Charles, Charlie, Charles, the Arsenal captain. <laughs> and, and, All right, Charlie, good show. And it's like, it's like the Harry Enfield sketch. Yeah, you know? Mr. Chumley Warner. Yeah, and it's just got that oldy, oldy kind of North london post-war kind of, you know. Uh, Dick Van Dyke Cockney. Very, well, no, the real thing, but very, yeah, decent, I know, you know, I know. just decent. And there's a sort of rod of decency that, you feel that runs through Arsenal Football Club, which has sort of wobbled about in the last few years mm. with people like Stan Cronker taking over the club and everything, I suppose. But um, but there was this thing about, you know, I was it, it, it's, it's this again, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. It's the black and white socks and old bloody well show you in a good way, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I love that film. I'm going to watch yeah. it again because I haven't seen it for years. It's time to I watch know. it again. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the Harry Enfield bit where he's um, <laughs> saying about oh, the world famous dribbler, and he's got other players just like bagging. He just like, with the outside of his right foot, he takes two steps. Outside of his left foot, takes two steps. Remember yeah. that bit? <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's Finney on the wing, and he's doing yeah. exactly what he was doing before. And they're all, <laughs> and they're all, and they're all standing there going, "Oh, Johnny, good." Oh, that's fantastic. I want to look yeah. up those uh, sketches as well. Hilarious. Yeah. Right. What about you, Stan? What's your movie? You know what, this was the hardest one, because mm. first of all, I started sort of thinking of films that I like, you know, and I'm thinking, Batman, it's hard, hard. what's that got to do with it, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, and over the few days, I kind of ironed that film, and it just popped into my head, and the one that I've gone with is the uh, documentary about Muhammad Ali, it's the title, which is When We Were Kings. Oh yeah, brilliant. I thought about what, what yeah, a film title, a film that expresses how I feel about Arsenal. And I think you touched on it earlier, um, Andrew, you know, some of the football under that Wenger era, era it, you know, the only way to explain it is like champagne football, isn't it? You know, I mean, 
you got people that maybe supported their football club for like 50 years and never seen their team. No, no. And they kind of play in that manner and express themselves at football in the way that we had. And maybe, you know, we, we never get back to that. Maybe never see that again. And if that's the way it is, then so be it. But at least we did have that for a while. So we were keen then, right? There's no doubt about it. The best team in the world. I, I, remember, I remember a newspaper headline saying Arsenal were better than Brazil or Arsenal would beat Brazil or something along those lines. It was right. amazing. And uh, we, were the, we were. We were the kings of what the world. What was so nice about that era was that all our critics, they all had to just say, this is unbelievable. You know, yeah. and the, you know, those little snippets of commentary and pundits say just, you know, they, they couldn't, there was nothing to criticise, you know. It no. was such a great era. The football we were playing was fantastic. And those players, you know, I, I think it started with Petit and Vieira when they had that mm. that understanding. OK, Petit went away, but we were still, then Perez, you know, I mean, the, the quality of players we had. I mean, when we bought Perez in uh, to replace Overmars, I thought... And because I, I knew nothing about Robert Perez at the time, and he took a while to settle, didn't he? But when he first sort of came onto the pitch, and he, he had this sort of duck type walk, didn't he? Yes, the way around, and I, I, I thought, what, what the fuck we got here? And uh, I tell you what, he was nothing like Overmars, but he was even better. I mean, uh, after a while, when he settled in, obviously, what a player! I mean. Total pleasure to have been able to watch so many players in an Arsenal shirt, you know, in those I think uh, Bergkamp, times. Bergkamp arriving was kind incredible. of big. That incredible. changed everything, didn't it? That was oh. the moment where you thought... I remember I was in Spain on holiday and I was looking at someone else's newspaper. They were reading it on a deck chair or whatever. And I'm looking at it going, Bergkamp, well, what's that mean? What's that? Oh, what is it? You know, and I couldn't get close enough. Mm. So I got home and I watched it. It was on, America, on some American television channel as a Dennis Bergkamp has signed for Arsenal. I was just going, yes! Because the day that I found out about the Dennis Bergkamp signing, I was on holiday in Ibiza. And I come down in the morning and my missus wanted to go in a little shop in the hotel to get oil or whatever. And I went to the newspaper stand to look at the back pages of the English papers. And there was the story, you know, that Dennis Bergkamp had signed for seven and a half million. I know. And uh, until we got Platy the same day, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. And he was. I tell you what, he he came good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. He, got, he was he was a he's a really good player. One of those. You know, can... I tell you what, he he was incredible goal scoring midfielder, wasn't he? Yeah. A, really a header good. against Man United for three two. Mm. I think it was, uh, that was. I mean, a... we didn't we didn't see the best of him. I think he, you know he was, he was towards the end of his career. However, he was still a damn good player at the time. Yeah. Um, but. Until Mesut Ozil, I think he's the only player I could say, genuinely, I, I don't know whether you can correct me on this, but the real statement of intent signing, you know, Dennis Bergkamp. I don't, because all the other players we've got that we've since, you know, Henri, Vieira, blah, 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 they went on to be absolute world-class, best in their positions probably in the world. But... At the time, they were they weren't big name signings, were they? They were sort of almost failed players in their clubs that they were at at the time. However, I know Dennis Bergkamp didn't have the best time at Inter, but he he was still a world class player who made everyone else sit up and take notice of yeah, yeah. that we just signed. I don't think we've ever made another one 
until Ozil, which, are, you know, obviously we know what's happened after the signing. But at the time, when we signed as Ozil, that was probably a similar type of big name statement signing. No, he's not. However, it's still a statement signing, you know, because yeah. he played for Real Madrid and he was a quality player and he was still at the top of his game at that point. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever... We may not have had another one. Overmars was a classy, classy player. You know, Holland international proven. But Bergkamp was, is just, yeah, was like, I suppose a Galactico, you'd use the expression these days, you know, around. He'd had terrible injury problems, Overmars, hadn't he? And uh, people thought that his career was genuinely, at the top level, was over when we signed him. It was a massive gamble. I, um, I was listening to a, a podcast about him the other day, and uh, it was a massive gamble at the time over Mars, and it he made a couple of those, didn't he? Like Wakanu, who had a, a hole in the heart, you know, but uh, paid off uh, on both occasions. Thank yeah, that, I mean, that is amazing. Can't, I mean, I mean, how love Carter, with a yeah. whole, I, I can understand how a footballer can play ninety minutes of football with a hole in the heart. I mean, that's I know. that's really quite phenomenal, isn't it? Well, and two or three goals against Chelsea as well. Brilliant <laughs> moment. There's controversy about how old Carney actually is, right? No one's actually 100% sure. No. <laughs> i tell you what, he was he's six foot six and he had size 14 feet, didn't he, apparently? Yeah, yeah. So, and i tell you what, he, he was so ungainly when he played, but he was one of the most brilliant players to watch. Uh, I mean, that, 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 that hat-trick against Chelsea was just one of the most... Probably right up there, probably top three moments of being an Arsenal fan for me. Absolutely exhilarating. That was amazing, wasn't it? What a moment! That goal he scored when he uh, on the on the line, the goal line, pretty much. It's incredible. But yeah, I don't think he gets enough praise, Carney. Uh, but he wasn't even a starter, was he? He was just a a squad player, really. But what a, what a player! And yeah, exhilarating is the best word, really, to for those sorts of um, days of watching Arsenal. And I, I do remember saying to myself, "I need to pinch, I need to really take this in because I ain't going to last forever." <laughs> and I'm glad I did. That's why I chose that film because at the end of the day, that's when we work things right. I mean, you know, there's no wrong thing about it at all. No, uh, a great film, and uh, yeah, really good choice, and it, it sort of fits it really well. So. I think that well, that sort of pretty much ends the uh, the Benz Island dish choices. However, I mean, I can't. You've got a uh, luxury item here. I was going to say I, I I don't always go onto that, but I will do because you've noticed it. And it is on Desert Island discs. That's one of the. It's always the last thing. Well, so gonna, what what, what, what would you take? What would you take? I'm going to because it's so quick. I'm going to throw in also a book because they do have books on okay. Desert Island discs, don't they? They do. Yeah. So I, I, have, I can't be. I can't copy it exactly. Otherwise, I might get in a bit of trouble. I'm going to make that one up as I go along. Maybe Stan the man can quickly think of a book. But um, I'm going to go with with great expectations because that's how I always felt when I go to Arsenal. How mm. I feel. It's great. Ex- you know, I'm always like I'm there thinking. You know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It always come that way. But the luxury item, I'm wearing it. This is my luxury item because I'm, I'm in that's lockdown. Really good. Worried about where the next dollar's coming from, pounds rather. And um, I still bought this because I saw it and I had to have it. Yeah. But I, I, it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap for a T-shirt. And I've got my eyes on it myself, to be honest. I might have to go and have a look for that. Yeah. Actually, look at that. I mean, come on. It's superb. Can't argue with that. 
No, you can't. So, uh, yeah. I'll grow into it one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Stan? Your well, luxury uh, item. And don't choose something for your missus. Let's just, just be a bit selfish here. It was, it, I'm being very selfish with this one. It's a never-ending bag of twiglets that just never runs out. Oh, really? I, I, do you know what? I like Marmite, but I don't, I've never liked Twiglets. Uh, if I go to a wedding or a party and there's a bowl of Twiglets, I just can't move away until I've eaten them all. I try to move away to let other people have them, but I'm just drawn back to them. I just can't stop. And I have all that Marmite stuff in my fingers, you know, that I've been eating. Yeah. Do you know it's what? That's it. It's the salt. I love the salt. I, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to say that, but... I don't mind that part of it, but I, I love, and I say I love Marmite, but I, I've never taken to Twiglets, and it's really weird. I don't know why. Like, I like Nick. It's it tastes a little bit burnt. Yes, like, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, that's, I totally appreciate that. Okay. If I was taking a book, it's a book that I bought quite recently. And I was fortunate enough to get it signed by the author. And the book's called A Little Bit of Knowledge is a Dangerous Thing. And it's written by ex-football manager of Leighton Orient and player of Chelsea, John Stitton. Oh, really? John Stitton, he's the one that had that big, massive paddy, didn't he? Yeah. If you've never seen this documentary, Leighton Orient for Fiverr, it's the whole documentary mm. where all of that is, is in there, and it's on YouTube as well. But um, I've it a few times on Twitter, and you very kindly signed a copy for me. It's a good read. Yeah. Failing oh, that, fantastic. I think um, uh, there's always Ray Parler's book. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, all the, all the Arsenal players, Mercer's got one, Tony Adams, obviously, uh, which I thought was a very good read. Um, and uh, Bergkamp, there's been a book on Bergkamp. Yeah, there's yeah. They're all good, aren't they? Yeah. But I, one I haven't read yet, which I really do want to, is the Perry Groves one. Oh, Perry we're Groves all Perry Groves one. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read that yet, and, and I, the, I do want to watch Alan it. Alan Smith one, probably, because yes, he's probably like actually Alan Smith Have you guys listened to the Desert Island Discs uh, show with Ian Wright on and uh, the Tony Adams one? No. no. Well, you've got to listen to the... I, I haven't listened to the Tony Adams one yet, and I'm hoping you, one of you guys have listened to it, because yeah, apparently it's amazing. But the the Ian Wright one is just great, and that's what gave me the idea of this doing this one during the, the lockdown. Um, but yes, yeah, fantastic. It's really uh, moving, quite emotional, as you can appreciate with Ian Wright. It does get a bit emotional from time to time, doesn't he? But it's a great listen. And they're, they're both on... Um, Spotify, you know, or whatever podcast platform, listen to. But I've got to dig out the and listen to the Tony Adams one as well because apparently that's almost just as good, really. Um, but yeah, Tony Adams' autobiography is amazing, and I don't think I've read an Arsenal autobiography that's been quite, you know, it's been bad, really. I think they've all been quite good, haven't they? Um, yeah, but I do want to listen to, I do want to read the uh, sorry Perry Groves one. Apparently, I think that's going to be quite good because you're right. Down to earth, lad, and old Perry. Well, while we're plugging all of our, um, Arsenal players' books, can I do a quick plug? Of course you can. Yeah, I've got a little. Um, the same, the same recording session as Highbury Sunshine. There was a song recorded called Happen, and it never saw the light of day. And it's a great little track, and it's going to be released as Yes' debut single 
I don't really count Hybrid Sunshine as a single because there's other acts on on this thing. But yeah, um, yeah my old band, 25 yeah. years after the breakdown, will release its debut single. I don't Fantastic. know if that's be historic. So that's coming out on July the 16th, and it's Yeah Happening. Fantastic. It's going to be on Spotify and everything. It'll be on uh, YouTube and uh, uh, Amazon and. What's the other one? iTunes, all that, like all yeah. the platforms. Well, um, make sure you make sure you tweet it, and they'll obviously keep retweeting yeah. it for you as well. And um, oh yeah, I will. Yeah. Once it comes out. yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic, mate. Yeah, yeah that was. The, I've just got to do a little little uh, plug. Now you're also um, you mentioned to me that uh, you're on the Gooners podcast as well. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. I mean that's on hold at the moment. We sit in a community centre in Gillespie Road. Me and Kev, the editor of the Guna, and uh, usually the Highbury Spy, Steve. And uh, it's a fun, it's a fun podcast. Uh, we've been going for a long time now. I don't know when the next one is. It might have to be via like this or Zoom or something. So have you? Uh, does that get posted onto the main sort of podcast platforms, or is that on a on a website on the yeah, Guna website? It's on the Guna website for sure. Because um, I, I can't, I couldn't yeah. find it on uh, Spotify since we spoke, and uh, I'd love to listen to that as well. Uh, okay. of... I, I think then maybe the best way is to go to the Guna website, mm. um, and there's, I mean, there's like 170 of them or something. It's been going yeah. for ages. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, a competition between us as to who's been on it the most, and uh, <laughs> I think the Hybrid Spy wins, if I'm not wrong, or probably Kev. But uh, there you go. Yeah, I've definitely got a. Look, it's a great thing. The fans is a great thing, and people should, you know, plug the fans in as well. I haven't written for it for a while, but it's still going in physical form as a magazine. Yeah. Pe- and hopefully, yeah. people will continue supporting it because it's a great read. And I, I um, sadly, and I, I was honest with the on Twitter. I had a conversation with the Guna guys on Twitter and uh, said that I stopped reading it for no apparent reason for so many years and uh yeah and it, they've obviously put an appeal out to sort of make sure that we keep that going because it's, a, well, it's just an annual subscription now 30 quid for the year exactly and then they nothing is it, it yeah it's nothing yeah, is it so it yeah. definitely everyone across the world should uh, should do that and support it because it's it's one of the original fanzines you know isn't it it's one of the oldest yeah. ones out there so yeah, yeah. got to make sure that that stays stays going so everyone support that as well go to the guna website and uh get your subscription in now stan have you i know you uh your guna's in vancouver has probably has uh stopped at the moment probably yeah, but, uh, exactly but, but you got uh, any plans to do any during the lockdown for uh, about any specific stuff Say again. Have you got any plans to do any uh, podcasts during this lockdown about other well, stuff? Um, every Thursday you can find me on the Arsenal fan circle with Ray and the lads. That's my yeah. Thursday. And also um, every Sunday, evening, Sunday evening my time, which is quite late in the night, UK time, on Claude TV and the Banksters and the Dusk Till Dawn show with Terry, Ryan Magula. Fantastic. And um, hopefully when Canon Canada TV starts up again with Alex, um, I'll be back on there as well to meet uh, some of the easy talks that we were doing. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, you catch me on Fan Circle, you catch me on the, the Bandsters, and occasionally you hear yourself. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really glad to have you on again, Stan, and thank yeah. you ever so much, uh, Sebastian, as well. Really, uh, really enjoyed that. 
Thank you ever so much for agreeing to come on. I hope it's not the last time you come on. I hope you agree to come on again, maybe in the future. Sure. Um, by the way, I've just found this. I've just got to show it because it's never been seen in public before. Ready for an exclusive. Oh, it's not going to be X-rated, is it? Oh, no, really. not at all. But this was my art. Oh, wow. My, my, I, did, I did this art. Fantastic. How I saw... Um, <laughs> Highbury Sunshine, what I thought it looked like. And I met Charlie, Charlie George, George yeah. and Brilliant. designed it. Uh, I met him in, um, actually, when we were doing that Under the Moon programme. And we yeah. did Highbury Sunshine. He was there as one of the guests. And I oh, thought, ah, wow. oh, it's, you know, and so there you go. Legend. You're a Love legend. That. That's brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. And there, I've put, um, I think it's four or five songs up on my YouTube channel to so people can listen to them as well. Uh, Sebastian, but what have you got um, your own YouTube uh, channel yeah, that you upload songs onto as well? well? There's some Arsenal stuff. Mr. Burkamp's on YouTube. Uh, some other people have downloaded it's, stuff, uploaded stuff too. But um, have you got your own channel? Or? I do have one. Yeah, it's Hampstead Village Voice, uh, but that's not so much the music. That's the magazine that I run. No problem. Um, that's fine. But the music is. Uh, on Facebook, there's Yeah, or just Sebastian Walker as a songwriter. I've got my own little thing there. And, uh, yeah, if you look up Yeah, Sebastian Walker, you're on YouTube. You'll get about uh, half a dozen songs on there, which yep. are various things. Fantastic. Well, like I said, I've put four four or five on my, on my page as well on YouTube, so people can listen to those um, afterwards. I'll put a couple of the songs on the audio version of this podcast as well, if that's all right with you, so people can uh, enjoy that, listening back to it. Thank you very much. No problem. No problem. Well, thanks thanks for coming on to both of you, and thanks to everyone watching and everyone listening back to the audio version of this. Please like and subscribe, and join us again next week for the next show. Take care, guys. See you, guys. Bye-bye. child when they took my heart away now i stand in single file underneath the gray cloud she has tried to make me hers and to take my heart away to relieve me of my cares to love me truly The 
Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about From Dar Square to Where. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!